This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Well, you guys know that I love to be honest with you. I consider all of you my brothers and sisters. So I need to share with you a phobia that I have dealt with, that I have overcome, I believe. And so I'm free to share it with you today. I have had a phobia and a fear of leaving the house without being fully dressed and prepared for the day. Meaning this. Now, most of you might say, well, yeah, Aaron, I'm the same way. We all like to have showered and combed our hair and put on nice clothes or whatever the case is to present ourselves for the day. But here's the part that it got really irrational for me is that early in the morning when I wanted to get the newspaper, there was a time in my life that I would not walk the 12 steps to my newspaper without having been fully dressed and showered for the day. The reason why was just in case by some happenstance, one of you were driving by my house around six in the morning. I wanted to be able to wave at you as if to say, I am your perfect pastor and I have been praying just for you long before I got the newspaper this morning. So this is something that was really vain in my life. I've had to overcome. But back in that era, early in the morning, sometimes when I would need to get something for the kids for their lunches or breakfast stuff, get a gallon of milk, I would go to the grocery store right by my house and throw on some sunglasses, throw on a hat, maybe put a hoodie on. And God's man of power and faith called to reach the loss of Hendersonville. If I saw anyone I knew, I hid And went to the next aisle. Why? Because I wanted to disguise myself. In the passage today, this is a type of thing that was happening here. Here I was, I would go to the grocery store, wanting what was in the grocery store, wanting the product, but I didn't want to bring myself. I wanted to pick up the food items that we needed, but I didn't want to be honest. I didn't want to reveal who I was. And so we pick up the passage today in 1 Kings chapter 14, starting with verse 1. So to that time, Abijah, son of Jeroboam, Jeroboam, excuse me, became ill. And Jeroboam said to his, his wife, Go disguise yourself so you won't be recognized as the wife of Jeroboam. Then go to Shiloh. Ahijah. Ahijah, excuse me, the prophet is there now. So you don't get too confused if you look in verse one. Abijah has a B. That's the son from here. This point on, we'll refer to him as the son. And Ahijah has an H and that's the prophet. So we will refer to him as the prophet uh, once we get past the text here. So he says, go to Shiloh, Shiloh, excuse me, to Ahijah. The prophet is there. The one who told me. I would be the king over his people. So there's some history that the king has with this man of God. Verse three, take 10 loaves of bread with you, some cakes and a jar of honey and go to him. He will tell you what will happen to the boy. So Jeroboam's wife did what he said and went to Ahijah's house in Shiloh. And uh, the, the prophet could not see his eyes was gone because of his age. But the Lord had told the prophet, Jeroboam's wife is coming to ask you about her son, for he is ill. And you are to give her such and such an answer. And when she arrives, she will pretend 
to be somebody else. In verse 6, so when the prophet heard the sound of her footsteps at the door, he said, come in, wife of Jeroboam. Why this pretense? I have been sent to you with bad news. Let me tell you about some of the characters in this story. Jeroboam was the king of the ten tribes of Israel. And God had called him through the prophet. The prophet had told him, you're going to be king and the Lord's going to bless your line. But instead of trusting God, instead of trusting him and following God's ways, he began to doubt God and he began to do some very, very detestable things in the Lord's eyes, some very bad things. He began to set up an alternative worship. And so there were two places in his kingdom that he set up shrines, one in the north and one in the south. And he actually had state instituted adultery. And he began to create his own priest. God's very clear that the priests were to come from one tribe. That's the tribe of Levite. Uh, the tribe of Levi. So you had to be of Levitical descent to be a priest. But Jeroboam, he picked whoever he wanted to be the king. Excuse me, to be one of the priests. And this is very, very bad in God's eyes. So here he was, was extremely rebellious towards the things of God. And the judgment of God began to come into his life. And the judgment first manifested in his son. That's where we pick up the story in verse 1. The judgment manifests in his son. His son is very ill. And so the, the people wanted to go to the prophet to either one, find out if the, if the son was going to survive, or two, to find out if he could be healed. So he decided to send his wife. And he sent her in a disguise. Now, his wife was probably an Egyptian. And she was sent because he had no confidence. He knew that if he went himself, that he would get a bad word. And he knew that even if he sent his wife as his known representative, that they would get a bad word too. Already the relationship between the prophet of God and the king had been severely hurt. Even though they had a prior relationship in which the prophet had called the king, now the king had abandoned his ways and so they didn't have a good relationship. So he sent her in disguise. And you'll notice there in verse 3 that she took bread and honey. And that was more than just a nice gesture. There was deception within that. Because for someone to go to the prophet of God, that was not a gift royalty would bring. That was a gift someone who was very common would bring. They would bring the bread. They would bring the honey. And so in this whole arrangement... Deception was the key. They wanted an answer from God without obedience to God. They wanted a revelation from God, but they didn't want to bring themselves. They wanted to come in a disguise, hoping to get all the benefits from God without the price of obedience. Hoping to hear a word from God without submitting the heart. So it is with us often. Often, we want all the benefits that the church offers and all the benefits that a relationship with God offers without the obedience. 
I've seen lots and lots of spiritual leaders fall. And I'm not just talking about those who are in the media. I'm not just talking about those who are senior pastors, though that list is more long than I care, care to, to share with you. But I'm talking within the local church, board members and small group leaders, whose life just didn't line up with all God wants it to be. And if you're in that situation or been in that situation, thank God that His grace will cover you and restore things and make things new. But here's what I've discovered, I bet you've seen it too. That those whose life seems, they seem to have it all together, are often the ones who will have a fall. Those who seem on the outside to have everything in line and everything together, are often those who on the inside, their hearts are far from the Lord. Or or maybe it's not even a, a, a heart being far from the Lord, there's just... Things in their life that are not right. See, one of the problems is, is we start wearing disguises in the house of God because there's a lot of benefit. There's a lot of benefit in church if you if you really start breaking it down. You know, if you own a business, that being part of a church is a tremendous networking tool. If you're part of a church. You have more people that are exposed to your business or exposed to your product. And that's not bad in of, in of itself all along. That's not a bad thing. But you can come to church and you can receive a lot of benefit from the networking. You can receive a lot of benefit from the friendships as you get to know people. And those are good things. But if you're not careful, you'll start coming into the presence of God. You'll start coming to church, and let's just use, instead of the man of God in Shiloh, let's use the, the church as representing our connection with the Lord. You'll start coming in a disguise. You'll carefully craft your life to where nobody else will know who you really are. And it's so easy to do that. To want all the benefits of serving God. All the benefits. You, you might learn to be a tither. You might learn to be a giver and know that God blesses that. And he does. I, I met a man once who, who told me, he said, you know, I used to give 15% to the church and I enjoyed doing it. And it was a great tax write-off. But my heart wasn't right with God. See, there's a financial benefit that comes from obeying the Lord. But sometimes we wear a disguise and God doesn't have our hearts. All he has is our part of our paycheck so we wear a disguise as we come into the presence of the lord and we're not really honest about who we are and we we want a word from god we want a word from god we want to hear something good but as soon as the sermon steps on our toes and as soon as we have to respond to the word of god and have to change our behavior or to repent from a sin all of a sudden we back off and we don't want to go to that church or hear that preacher anymore Because we don't get the benefit anymore. We want the benefit of the presence. But we wear a disguise because if we're really real, if we're really real, then we'll have to change. You know, one October 31st, we just happened to buy a costume for our kids. And one of them was Spider-Man. Some of you have heard of the Spider-Man costume before. My baby, Lincoln, got a Spider-Man costume, and it was a cool costume. In fact, he put this costume on, and we all of a sudden he started to operate in what we call spidey powers. He would take his hands, 
He'd go like this with his web, and you're supposed to freeze. So he'd put that costume on, and he'd go around the house and do this, and we'd all freeze and, and have fun with it. And then I started realizing that when it was on October 31st, that Lincoln would put that costume on on any random day. And on those random days, he would do this to us. And we were supposed to freeze. And that started happening on a regular basis. And before I knew it, Lincoln, when we would just be out in a restaurant or playing on the playground, and there was no Spider-Man costume there at all. There was, there was no, no sign of Spider-Man. All of a sudden, he'd get his Spidey powers out anyway and do this. And we were all supposed to freeze. And do you see what has happened? This little kid started wearing a costume and a disguise. And he thought he had Spider-Man power. But after a while, he didn't know the difference between the disguise being on and the disguise being off. He thought he had the powers no matter what the case is. I want you to write this in your notes. Here's a statement that's so true, true about disguises in our life. The longer we wear the disguise the more we believe the disguise is real. That's one of the problems with masks. Masks might be fun for a certain situation. A disguise might be good for a season, at least in our own rational thinking. But the longer we wear a disguise, the more we begin to believe that the disguise is real. And before we know it is, there is no difference in the way we fake it and the way we really are, and we don't even know the difference ourselves. And we think that we can put a disguise on and come into the presence of God to get what we need and God to deliver what we're supposed to have without being real and authentic before the Lord and without really allowing Him to come into our sinfulness and lead us to repentance. And that's simply not the case. It's a dangerous place to be. That's why in... 1 Kings 14.6, the man of God, through the discernment of the Spirit, asks this question, why the pretense? Why do you pretend? Why do you act and disguise yourself and act like someone you're not simply to try to get something from the Lord? Bring your whole self. Bring who you are. You see, the reason that they came in a disguise is because if they publicly... If the people saw that Jeroboam and his wife were coming to the real God, the authentic God, then it would mean that every one of those idols and shrines and every one of those priests they had signed were false and wrong as they are. They had too much self-interest to come to God and be authentic and be real. But when they had trouble and when their son was sick, where did they go? They went back to the man of God. They went back to Shiloh. You see, once we... When, when we have tragedy in our life, we always go to the source of truth. Next year, we'll celebrate 10, or excuse me, totally wrong. Next year, we'll remember 10 years uh, of the tragedy of September 11th, 2001. And one thing that I had almost forgotten, that, that happened on a Thursday. That evening, our Congress, both Republicans and Democrats, went to the steps of the Capitol And they sang together in prayer, God bless America. Why? Because when there was a tragedy, 
that struck to the core of who we are and no one knew where to turn. These leaders went back to what the roots of America was, and that is a country submitted to God. They went back to the roots and that Sunday churches were packed. Can we not be so foolish and lack so much wisdom that we only turn to God in our darkest hour. Today's the day to turn to God. Today's the day to turn to God. Today is the day to submit to Him. Because when tragedy comes, and when trouble comes, and when difficult times come, we go back to the true source. We won't go to all these idols. We won't go to this false religion, this alternative religion. Just like Jeroboam tried to set up an alternative religion. Well, he's, when his son was dying, he went to the real God. When his son didn't have life, he went to the God who has a name, who has an identity, Abraham. He's a father. He's a God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He has a a distinct personality. And that's the same God we're worshiping today. Let's not be so foolish as just to go to God when there's tragedy. Today is the day to repent. Today is the day to submit to God. And it breaks my heart that less than 30 percent of Henderson Bilson Church today. And that is a fact. And that we are one of the highest, highest in all of America of people attending church. And 28% is the highest that you'll have people in Hendersonville go to church on a Sunday. Why? Because people forget God until there's a tragedy. And instead, would we be humble enough and wise enough to go to the man of God, not me, I'm talking about going to, to uh, the prophet in First Kings, or today going to the house of God, going to our Shiloh, going to the place of worship. Humble enough to do that, to know that we need God and we need him desperately. You see, things did not end well for Jeroboam. For him, because of his lack of obedience, he lost not just his kingdom, but he lost his family too. See, the problem is this, is that when we begin to wear disguise, we forget who we really are and who God wants us to be or what the disguise is. There was another king at the same time, and his name was Rehoboam. He was a king of Judah. He was a king of the southern tribes. And he, too, had to wear a mask and he had to mask things over. I want you to to look with me on the screen. We don't have to turn there to first Kings chapter 10. Because we're going to stay in 14. In the first Kings chapter 10. It talks about Solomon. And these shields of gold that Solomon made. See God was very particular how he wanted. How he wanted his temple to be. And so for his guards. Those the temple guards would have shields of gold. And this would show a sign of strength. And a sign of honor unto the Lord. But things didn't stay the same way for Solomon. Excuse me, for Rehoboam, his, his grandson. If you look with me back to 1 Kings 14, verse 25. This is the same time era, but a slightly different story. It says this in verse 25. In the fifth year of King Rehoboam, the king of Egypt attacked Jerusalem. Verse 26. He carried off the treasure of the temple of the Lord and the treasure of the royal palace. He took everything, including all the gold shields Solomon had made. So King Rehoboam made bronze shields to replace them and assigned them to the commanders of the guard on duty at the entrance of the royal palace. And whenever the king went to the Lord's temple, the guards bore the shields and afterward they returned to the guard room. Look at again at 26. He took everything, including the gold shield Solomon had made. That was in first Kings 10. Now look at this 27. 
So King Rehoboam made bronze shields to replace them. Here it was that it was the same, the same shields, the same temple guards, conceivably the same temple, but a far less and inferior quality. He had to mask the fact that Egypt had raided the temple. And he, instead of using gold shields, Rehoboam had to use bronze shields. How many of us in our life were going through the same actions? And on the outside, we look the same to everybody else. But we know that our life has far less quality than it once had. That we are masking over. We are masking over. We are disguising the fact that our temple's been raided. We're disguising the fact that we've lost the treasure of the Lord and instead of the gold shields that are guarding, we have bronze shields. See, the problem is this, is that when you begin to live a life and begin to live with mask and begin to use disguises, you forget what the truth is. There was a movie that came out called The Informant. Matt Damon played in this and it was a comedy about a very true story. A guy named Mark Whitaker, who in the 1990s, he collaborated with the FBI. He was just a normal executive. He was a normal uh, executive working for a company, and he collaborated with the FBI to try to prove that this, this company was fixing prices around the world. Well, as he got caught up in this whole exercise, he began... He began to use fraud himself. And he actually forgot, Mark Whitaker, what was true and what was not true. He forgot what was a lie and what was a truth. And by the end of the story, he had participated himself in $9 million worth of fraud. And he went to jail for eight and a half years. This is all because when you begin to mask one part of your life, you begin to mask yourself. You have to mask Every part of your life. Here's a second statement I want you to write down. It's this. When we disguise ourselves, we have to disguise the rest of our lives. See, for some of us, everything looks the same. Everything in your life looks as it always has. Everything in your life looks normal, but your life is Far less superior than it used to be. You're using inferior qualities. The quality of your life is not what it used to be. And nobody knows but God in here that your heart is so far from God. Nobody knows is that you've checked out of your marriage. Nobody knows is that you're involved in unethical behavior. And it's become part of who you are and you're justifying it all the time. And it's become an excuse. Nobody knows that you're caught up in a sin that you've just begun to accept as normal. And everything on the outside looks the same. But the enemy of your soul has come and he's raided you. And he's taken away that which is precious of the Lord. And the whole time you still want a word from God. You still want to enjoy praise and worship. You still want to be in the house of God. You still want to be a leader in the church. You still want to serve on committees. You still want to lead groups. You still want the prestige and the honor. And so you disguise yourself and you come into the presence of the Lord. And back to 1 Kings fourteen six, the Lord saying to you, why the pretense? Why pretend? Why pretend? No more pretending. No more pretending. God, who is gracious and loving and full of compassion, loves you too much 
to let you stay fake. God loves you too much to let you accept that which is less than quality in your life, that which is inferior. He loves you too much to help you, to, to let you accept that. He wants the best for you. He wants the best and He has the best for you. Would you stand with me? Father, we love you. We thank you for your presence in here. God, when I look upon these people here today, Father, I see people who are who desire, Lord, to be their best for you, Lord. And we know, God, that, Lord, we are deceived by the enemy. We're deceived by ourselves. Lord, we, we know that the, the accuser of the brethren is before, before our spirits at all times trying to, trying to accuse us of our sinfulness. But, God, instead let us own our sinfulness because when we bring our sinfulness to you, Lord, you're faithful and just, Lord. You're, you're going to forgive us. God, we thank you for a spirit of repentance that you want to loose on this place. We thank you, Jesus. Lord, we want to be honest before you. We want to be honest before you. You know, this service has been filled with lots of words. You know, from the opening songs, wonderful songs, wordy songs, and wordy announcements. This message has been full with lots of words. But I think the Lord wants us just for a moment. I want us just to be still before Him. Be still before Him. Just allow the Holy Spirit to let all that we've sung and declared and heard from the Scripture today just sink in for a second. standing here before the Lord. I just, I, I feel the heart of the Lord more than anything. And I want you to feel that right now. You know, hard words, challenging words, only grab our attention to lead us to a loving heart. See, as we were just still before the Lord, you know, you know, in, in our schedule, we've got five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes left in our scheduled time, and all of a sudden, I just felt the Holy Spirit just going, "Wait, can you feel His heart for you right now? Busy, 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 
Words, words, words. Fast, fast, fast. Fake, fake, fake. You see where that goes? And not fake in the sense that we're people who intentionally want to fool God all the time. But we're people who are so pressed and we're so driven and our life is so fast. It's service to service, worship time to worship time, sermon to sermon, message to message, and the whole time. Could we miss his heart if we're not careful? Can we just spend a few minutes finding the heart of the Lord? That's, that's, that's what I want you to do. That's all I feel like God's saying. Would you find the heart of the Lord together? You see, we're going to be able to do it by ourselves tonight and tomorrow at our homes and our cars. But together, can you find the heart of the Lord? Because what happens is this. If I know that you want God, it makes me want God more too. That's why he's called us in community. That's what he's called us to do. We're going to open the table of the Lord. Some of you are going to want to take communion. Some of you just need to find a place down here in these steps. Some of you need to pray a prayer of encouragement over somebody else. I want to ask that our prayer partners just, I want you to be led by the Holy Spirit to pray over people, whether down the front or the back. Just, just, just allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. And let's find God's heart together right now. He loves you. He wants you to be real. The great thing about being real to the Lord. This has been a Church at Indian Lake podcast. Be sure to check out IndianLakeChurch.com for all updated news and information.